We're going hopping, hop. we're going hopping today. When things are popping, pop. I feel the Delphi way. We're going to drop it, drop on all the music they play on the bandstand. We're going swinging, swing. We're going to swing in the crowd. I will be clinging, clinging. And floating high as a cloud. The phones are ringing. Ring. My mom and dad are so proud. I'm on Welcome to R.I.T.Y. I'm Ryan Jansen. It's the final show of 2022, and if the opening didn't give it away, this week's theme is American Bandstand, a tribute to Dick Clark. And this time of year always reminds me of him because of his New Year's Eve program. However, he's best known for American Bandstand, which aired between 1952 and 1989. Clark began hosting the show in 1956. The program featured teenagers dancing to Top 40 music introduced by Clark. Then, at least one popular musical act would appear on the show, be interviewed, and lip-sync their latest single. The primary focus for this week's edition of R.I.T.Y. is going to be those interviews. You'll hear the clip, followed by a song, or vice versa. You can keep up with the playlist by visiting reelinwithryan.com. From 1967, here are the doors on American Bandstand. That's a beautiful thing. Gentlemen. May I ask a favor? Would you introduce yourself, please? I'm Robbie. Thank you. John. Thank you, John. My name is Jim Morrison. Jim, thank you. Ray Manzarek. Ray, let me start with you on a question, if I may. How do you characterize your music? Does it have a name? Well, it's impossible, really, to put a label on it because of where we are in the music. Being on the inside, you're only of the music, and all categories have to come from the outside, so someone else is going to have to say what our music is rather than us because we are our music too much in it at the moment now a lot of people seem to think you're from san francisco is that true no actually we got together in uh, la but we play in san francisco a lot that's the explanation of why you have that association why is so much happening in san francisco you figured it out yet uh the west is the best (laughs) all right fair enough you sold many many albums before you sold a single record It's a phenomenal record success all around, the album and the single. How long did it take to make that first album? Uh, About a month. That's a relatively short time in this day and age, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, We're in the middle of our second album now and uh, trying to top the first one. You told me, though, that it it was going to, it took you about a year to accumulate everything and and put it all together. We leap up here. Future plans. Are you, somebody mentioned you're going somewhere. Yeah, we're going to go to England and our new album should be out in about September. Have you selected a name for the album yet, Jim? I think it's kind of strange days. All right, fair enough. John, why don't you make yourself comfortable up here, and we'll, we'll do the thing that set the whole music business on fire. Ladies and gentlemen, again, The Doors. And off of strange days, here's Love Me Two Times. Tomorrow, one just for today. 
me too tight I'm gone away Love me one time Do not speak Love me one time Yeah, my knees got weak Love me two time, girl Last me all through the week Love me two times, I've gone away Love me two times, I've gone away
That's a great sound. Can we dig out from behind the drums? Would you come up here and join us? Because I'd like to introduce you individually, because very often groups get lost in the name. Now, first of all, your own name, if I may. Zol Yanofsky. Zol Yanofsky. Melochea Shoreless. <laughs> your name, please? Joe Butler. Thank you, Joe. John Sebastian. And your name, sir? Steve Boone. Thank you, Steve. Now, if I can drop in here for a second. Oops, we'll play a little jump rope. Thank you. Uh, where did the name The Lovin' Spoo Spoonful come from? Well, it came from an old uh, jug band tune sung by a fellow by the name of Mississippi John Hurt. And a friend of ours who works in a jug band, a modern-day jug band, thought of the name and gave it to us. Right, now, there may possibly be somebody who doesn't know what a jug band is. Can you give us a quick one-line description? Um, I believe it started early because nobody had money to buy instruments, you know, so they put together washboards and a jug and a guitar was about the only instrument, right? And, and they blow on the top of the jug, yeah, yeah. and so forth. Sure. Huh? They hit sticks. Sir? And they hit sticks, things like that. How long have you fellas been working together? Oh, about eight months or so. When I've got to jump way down to the man on the end here. Is it Steve? Pardon me, Steve, I, I kind of lose you out in left field. What kind of music do you call this? Uh, good time music, I suppose. Good time music? No, I, I think you, you've aptly titled it, but I've asked everybody in the world, and I can't, can't seem to get a name for the new trend in music. A lot of fellows who make music uh, similar to the kind of music you make, wear the Ben Franklin type things and so forth. Uh -huh. Are those real glasses? Yes, they are. Do you read with them? No, I uh, have to see with them distances. You, well, you must be, what, what nearsighted then? That's right. Do you think this will be a trend? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, well, I'm so proud of it. Pardon me, why? Hmm? Why, why all the har hardy har no, Nothing. So I'm not laughing. Of it. Why? No, it's just a lot of people wear glasses and don't need to, you know. Oh, I see. He wears this as an affectation then. No, eh? not at all, no. Can you read it for... Well, let's test him. He says they're real glasses. On, no, watch. Read <laughs> that, sir. What's that? <laughs> yeah, no sign? Nothing? Nothing. He plays it well, though, doesn't he? Does it? Does it? It's... it's uh, no, you don't drop him now. I'm going to keep... No. Now, one, one time no? we, were, we were playing a club and I wrote a big card about like that. For the, the, you know, the, they call the idiot sheet where you put the number yeah. the tunes you do on the floor. And uh, I realized then he couldn't read it. He was like, idiot. <laughs> idiot. I hate to tell you what that card says. First of all, may we have a hand for the Love and Spoonful. It says, we'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> that was the Love and Spoonful from their 1967 appearance on American Bandstand. This week on RITY, our theme is American Bandstand, a tribute to Dick Clark. Let's fast forward to 1975. Here's Clark with Eric Carmen, who at the time had just released his self-titled debut album. He took to the stage just after Smokey Robinson. Thank you. We sit right here side by side and do our thing on the park bench here. Where's your home? Cleveland, Ohio. How many years did you study the classics? Uh, I studied classical piano for about five years. Were there other people in your family with that sort of background? Uh, my father's sister is in the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra. Were they, uh, they disillusioned or terribly disappointed when you went into the rock and roll business? Well, in the beginning they were a little wary about a rock and roll musician for a son, but after a couple of hit records, they got over it. It's taking on a degree of acceptability now. When I first started, it was uh, pretty universally condemned. We were talking about the importance of a record producer, and a man that is one of the finest, one of the most prolific writers and producers was here right before you, and I said to Smokey, how do you produce your own record? And he, I guess he can do that now. You have an associate who does it with you. What's his name? Right. His name's Jimmy Einer. What's the importance of a producer? What's he do for you? 
Well, it's really the most important thing is it's it's a second set of years. You know, many times uh, artists get so close, especially like myself. I'm writing, arranging, and, and doing the whole thing on the creative end, and it's really important to have someone else who can listen and be able to tell you if you get too close to it, you know, what you're doing wrong. Do you feel that it, uh, it makes any difference geographically where you are as to whether you can succeed in the music business? Is Cleveland a music center? Well, it's not in terms... It's... <laughs> Right. It's not in terms of media. I mean, uh, the media is obviously in Los Angeles and New York, but um, there is an enormous uh, music scene in Cleveland. There are a lot of great musicians. And uh, what, I, what I really was shooting for, Eric, is I think, in all honesty, whether you come from North Dakota or Wyoming or Alaska or one of the small, unpopulated places, if you got it and you want to do it, you'll do it no matter where you're from. What's the next song called? Uh, it's called Never Gonna Fall in Love Again. Let's do it. Let me get out of the way. Larry, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Carmen.
Segment 2. the drummer and then the uh, gentleman over to our right. Don't worry about him. Um, <laughs> no, this is Jack White. Hello, Jack. Drums. Nice to have you with us. And the bassist. Tall. And this is uh, Richard Grossman. Richard, nice to have you with us here. I was uh, telling my friends here about the countless thousands of years ago that when we first met. Well, you came over from Australia and when? Uh, 1972. Whatever happened to the Australian accent? Well, it's still there. You just got to listen to it. That's all. That's interesting. I mean, you, do, you have no trace whatsoever. Do you learn to lose that? Yeah, I went to a voice coach um, about, for about three months. Real, my, my music ear helped me lose it. 
Can you do a lot of different voices? Uh, well, Australian is about here. It's kind of a very broad accent through the nose. Sounds like Helen Reddy. Yes. I know this man. Painful to the ear. Uh, and a, a cockney, I used to have a kind of a cockney accent. My own accent was kind of like this. It was I cut the words short. And, and now I talk like John Wayne. Now you're, now you're Mark and Mark. And, the Americanization no, of Rick Springfield. That's, you know, the Americanization of Rick Springfield. When you came over here, they were going to make you into a teen idol. I mean, you're obviously a very handsome man. But, uh, yeah, it's all sorts of craziness. But you'd won awards. You're a distinguished musician in Australia and uh, other parts of the world. Did it help you or hurt you? Uh, musically, I was, 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 uh, <laughs> was not uh, where, where I wanted to go. It was a real difficult thing for about the first... For, I mean, I didn't know what was going on at first, you know. I mean, when you walk into a session and they're making you out to be the next Donny Osmond of your day, you don't get a heck of a lot of respect, though. No, I mean, no, not to demean Donny Osmond. I mean, if, uh, please don't no. take that in the wrong way. No, it's, I mean, I, you know, I mean I've, been, I've been playing guitar, like, since I was, you know, 12, and... Uh, and music was a real important thing to me. And then, and then it started to, with well, the teen magazine thing, it started to really negate what I was yeah. doing musically. And it was, it was very difficult to, to handle for a while. When did you get into the acting end? Um, about uh, 75 I started acting. Because I was tied up musically because I was, trying, I was getting away from managers that, that I'd originally been with. And so I wanted to get into acting. And that gave me the perfect, uh, perfect chance. Are you going to do some on General Hospital here on ABC? <laughs> They've seen you, yes. Your fans are there. What do, what do you play? Um, new surgeon, Noah Drake, Dr. Noah Drake. You're unbelievable. <laughs> What's the next song? Uh, it's called, um, it's called Love is Alright Tonight. This is, what I, this, this is why I ask you, because I figure you'll know. Ladies oh, no. and gentlemen, please, Rick Springfield.
Some Rick Springfield, Love is Alright Tonight, the opening track from his 1981 release, Working Class Dog. We also heard his interview with Dick Clark on American Bandstand, which is our theme this week. Thank you for joining me. I'm Ryan Jansen. Maybe you're like me and you're wondering if the Beatles ever made an appearance on Bandstand. The short answer is no. Clark featured a few of their songs, but when the group traveled to the States in 1964, they of course were a big hit on the Ed Sullivan Show, but Sullivan had a non-compete clause written into their contract prohibiting them from performing on any other TV show at that time, and by 1967, they were no longer doing any live television performances. Speaking of 67... That was the year when the Jefferson Airplane visited the sets of American Bandstand. Oh, boy. Grace, would you, as the only lady member here, introduce me to the gentleman, if you will, starting, uh, what will it be, clockwise, I guess. All right. Jack Cassidy, bass. Hello, Jack. Marty Ballin on piano. Hey, Marty. And a f- Paul Kantner on rhythm guitar. <laughs> thought you forgot his name for a minute. I did. The man behind you? Is Spencer Dryden. Spencer, right, and over here? Calkinen. How are you? You're the closest man. How do you do? How do you do? You know, I told you this would be impossible. You know how much time we have to do an interview with six people? No? One and a half minutes. Why did music such as you just performed happen in San Francisco? Because the, I think the part of it is the promoters gave us the freedom to uh, write our own material. All right, let me skip along. I'll try and get as many questions in as I can. Older people worry. They see the way you're dressed. They hear your music. They don't understand it. Do parents have anything to worry about? Uh, I think so. Their children are doing things that they didn't do and they don't understand.
From Jefferson Airplane's volunteers to the grassroots, it's Midnight Confessions. They said you got this much for an interview. <laughs> Bob reintroduced the man. Well, we'll start over here for uh, simplicity. Creed, nice to see you. Last time we talked was on a radio interview that neither you nor I saw one another. The gentleman in the back? Ricky Coons. Ricky? Bob, your last name? Grill. Right. And the gentleman behind you? Warren Entler. What are you going to do in, in South Africa? Uh, I think we're going to tour around, do some shows and some different clubs and concerts and some TV. You're going to start no, a revolution. That. You, that's why you leave him back there. <laughs> do you have any idea the kinds of places you play? Oh, you know, Johannesburg and uh, Durban, Pretoria, some of the major cities, like just you know, like regular concerts here. And they buy our kind of music there? Oh, yeah. Like, I think Live for Today was in the top ten over there. And, uh, How long ago was that, do you recall? Um, over there. Over there. Oh, about uh, seven months ago, I think. And over here was what, about a year? Yeah, about a year. May we do it again? Sure. Don't get nervous. We're going to do it right now, Dick. Ladies and gentlemen, the grassroots.
complicate their minds by chasing after money and dreams that can't come true. I'm glad that we are different. We've better things to do. May others plan their future. I'm busy loving you. One, two, three, four. As long as I'm with you, we'll take it nice and easy and use my simple plan. You'll be my loving woman, I'll be your loving man. We'll take the most from living, have pleasure while we can. Two, three, four, sha la 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 la, live for today. Sha la 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 la, live for today. And don't worry about tomorrow. The Grassroots and their first major hit from 1967, it was Let's Live for Today. If you're just tuning in, this is RITY. I'm Ryan Jansen, and this week we are remembering Dick Clark's American Bandstand. Next up, Dave Mason. How are you, sir? Fine, thank you. You know what? I was looking at the the biography, and I see uh, you were a a roadie for the Spencer Davis group at one time in your checkered career. There's Traffic and Mama Cass, and I mean, a long list of people. How do you end up working with Michael Jackson? Um, Well, it started on your uh, um, music award show. That's right. You presented an award to him. Right. Is that the first time you ever met him? Yeah, that's the first time I met him. What did you do? uh, So we get together and record at that point? (laughs) No, no. Um, I was in the studio cutting the album. And we were doing this one song called Save Me, and uh, nobody in the band could uh, reach this, a note. So they were in the studio next door, and I figured, hmm, he can sing up high. Maybe I'll go ask Michael if he Hey, comes. you the tall, skinny kid, come over here. Is that, I mean, literally, he just, just went sit- next door and said, uh, hey, Michael, would you like to sing on uh, a song on the album? And he just said, sure, I'd love to. And as it, uh, it was funny as it turned out, he, um, he had done a song of mine, Feeling All Right, that I wrote... Yeah wrote it when I was 19. He'd done it when he was nine years old with uh, Diana Ross. Oh, wow. So uh, the title, Old Crest on a New Wave, seemed to uh, tie it in worked. with that moment. We're, we're going to play Save Me as the concluding song of today's show. But, I mean, do you believe, as we were talking over there, that 
musical personalities getting together create magic? Is, there a, is that an important ingredient, or is it geography or good luck or something else? Um, no, definitely it's, it's people. People make magic. And uh, I know somebody once said differences combine to form beauty, so... Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dave Mason. And from the album, Old Crest on a New Wave, here's that collaboration with Michael Jackson. It's Save Me. Dave Mason, with help from Michael Jackson, that was Save Me. 
Speaking of Michael Jackson, he was on Bandstand multiple times, but on this particular occasion, it was to promote his 1972 album, Got to Be There. At the time, he was only 13. You, uh, you ever get bugged with questions? Oh, no. Is there anything anybody hasn't asked you by now? Um... I think they've asked me everything so far. Yeah, you know, you read all the fan magazines in the 16 and Fave and Hype and Speck and Mickey and Mouse and whatever they are, you know. There's, this poor man's life has been dissected completely. However, there must be some questions because we got a ton of mail and I'm just going to rip off some of them. And if any of you here have some, you got a question you want to start with? Yes. Um, when's your birthday? August 29th. It's two days after mine. Two days after yours? Are you both under the same sign? Yes. What is that sign? Huh? Virgo. Virgo. Uh, here, that's the one I warned you about, by the way. Dearest Michael. <laughs> that's a good start. So, so Urbana, Ohio. Marie Montez. I love you more than any other star. I read all the stories about you, and I belong to your fan club. I read in 16 that you have a pet snake. Do you have a snake? Oh, yeah. Rosie the Crusher. A snake. Boa constrictor. You're putting me out. No. Where does Rosie live with you? In my room. Oh, that's nice. I like that. How old is this snake? Uh, it's two years. Had him for about two years. Do they ever get too big so you got to turn them loose or anything? Well, they're known for choking people. And uh, they get about... What are you, some kind of a nut? <laughs> get about 32 feet. <laughs> when he gets to about 16 and a half, we'll turn him loose in the neighborhood. We live in the same neighborhood. I appreciate it if you wouldn't do that. Dear Michael, I live in Tampa, Florida. Will you have a concert here this summer? Deborah Stokes. Uh, I think we just left Tampa in March, but uh, I think we're going to work around to it again. You've got a concert tour that started last night, as a matter of fact. I'm going to talk to you about it in a little while. Dear Michael from Long Beach, Deanna Carroll, who's 16, what school do you go to? Do you go to a school? Yeah, I go to private school in the Valley. Do the kids stare at you because you're so rich and famous? <laughs> do they? Do well, they stare at you, not because yeah, of it? It's kind of a school like um, the kids are already in the business line. There are other singers, dancers, and aerialists, and jugglers, and tumblers, and so on. Covington, Kentucky, from Jan. Dear Michael, who is your favorite singer? Um, I like The Temptations, Three Dog Night, and uh, Staple Singers. All right, Tracy Balsam, Highland Park. We picked this one because this was the most frequently asked question. Do you know the Osmond brothers, and are you friends with them? Or do you fight like fiends? <laughs> you hate each other? Tell the truth now. Okay. Uh, we met in uh, we met in Canada and we had a good time together. Came to the hotel and we talked a while. And we have a basketball game coming up. I don't know the exact date. Oh, I would love to see that. I know both of these groups of people, and I can tell you objectively, they are equally talented in all of that. You know all of their professional qualifications as people. They're about the greatest folks I've met. If you counted them all together, there must be a dozen or more. Jacksons and Osmonds, but it's a good combination. Can we do another one of the songs from this album? Sure. Hey, will you scoot over there and I'll give you a microphone and the usual paraphernalia, and then I will uh, show this to you one more time. There's so many great sides in here. You did one by Bill Withers that I love. This is not it, but this is one of my favorites. And again, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Jackson. Here's Rockin' Robin.
Segment three. Save this prize chair for you. Where, where was your home in New York? What borough? Well, I used to live in uh, Queens in Brooklyn until I found out what a duplicate report card was. And I, <laughs> we moved out to Long Island. I'm from Levittown. Oh, I know it well. 
You know, I was talking to you earlier, and I asked you sort of facetiously why you didn't become a cop. It's sort of legendary in your family. Your grandfather, your father, they're all policemen, weren't they? Well, Dick, anything you say might be held against you. <laughs> no, you have the right it, to remain silent. Is it true? No, I was, uh, I was working as a police de- on the police department as a police trainee when I got out of high school because I was always in a band, so I wasn't really geared for college. I was always looking for that big contract in the sky. And I uh, played a lot of music in high school with the Beatles and the Stones and growing up in New York with your show and everybody else. It's, uh, it just wasn't rock and roll. It was, besides, my father's a lot bigger than me, so I moved out to California. <laughs> why, uh, why do you think you didn't pursue that career and went into the music thing? Would, did this appear easier by any chance? Uh, no, it's just that, uh, see, if you're a lead singer, you're... Uh, uh, growing up and everything, it's like uh, I was looking more or less for, I didn't feel like going to the war. I wasn't ready for Vietnam. I was pretty much leaning to the left when my father was leaning to the right. And my brother was in Vietnam. And it's, uh, I was, the whole thing was just kind of a, I wouldn't say it's a goof because it's a really dangerous job and it's hard. But uh, I never really pictured myself in a uniform for 20 years bringing home the paper and a quart of milk. You know, I just why, I thought it was all temporary. You know? why, why the West and the East then? You could have done this in the East. Uh, No, I couldn't. You don't know my father. (laughs) (laughs) That was Eddie Money during his 1978 appearance on American Bandstand. At the time, he was promoting his second album, Life for the Taking, and we opened with the fourth track, Give Me Some Water. It's reeling in the ears. I'm Ryan Jansen, and I'm paying tribute to Dick Clark's American Bandstand. It's a great time to do it, too, given that the new year is on the horizon. Today's playlist is on my website, reelinwithryan.com. In 1983, the Michael Stanley Band made their appearance on Bandstand. Michael, welcome. You're well, thank you. You know, I was in Cleveland in the fall of this year, and we got talking about the fact that I'm not sure you realize this, but Cleveland is probably the legitimate, if not the, if one of the birthplaces of rock and roll because of a man named Alan Freed who christened this music rock and roll there, and he got white kids to listen to black music, and that's how this whole thing started. Did all of these guys come from Cleveland or no? All but this guy right here, yeah. (laughs) He is the lost soul. All right, tell you what, in reading the background material on your band, I got the idea that you gather this group of people together and they all contribute something. Uh, Is that true? Exactly. Exactly. Would you give me a little thumbnail sketch of uh, starting on our, uh, what would it be, our right over here, this gentleman. What does he contribute to this band? What's his name? This is Kevin Riley. Kevin's the other lead singer in the band and one of the major writers in the band, as well as a keyboard player. Now, the immigrant here is not from Cleveland, is? Uh, This is Michael Gizmondi from Youngstown, Ohio. Youngstown. Oh, know it well. Yes, no, really, I spent a lot of time in Youngstown. His contribution to the band. Uh, Giz is our bass player, also plays sax, and if you want to know any trivia about rock and roll, this is the man to Who was the lead singer of the Drifters in 1957? Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and the gentleman with the black tie. This is Rick Bell, who, uh, not on this song, but on most of the others, plays tenor sax with us. Percussion. Rick, thank you. The drummer? Tommy Dobeck, who's the, uh, one of the original guys from back from the beginning, our drummer. Ten years ago or more? Ten. ten he years. boys, he got patience to hang in there oh, that long, right? I tell you. And the gentleman over here with the uh, checkerboard thing on. This is Danny Powers. He's our lead guitar player and the newest member. He's been with us about a year or so. Danny, nice to have you with us. And lastly, over here? Uh, Bob Palander, another writer and singer in the band and a keyboard player. Thank you, Bob, very much. You know, we're being seen by a lot of people in that area. WEWS Channel 5 is our station. We've been there since the dawn of time. Was it difficult for you spreading your glory to the east and the west away from just your own area? 
Yeah, it's been a it's been a ten year thing that we've been trying to do, and each year a little bit further. Um, but the Midwest is where it all started, and where uh, you know we're still based on. What uh, unfulfilled professional dreams do you still have? What do you want to get done this year or next year? Well, this covers one of them right here. This oh. is one thing right here. Um, I just think spreading the name a little further than it has been at this point. From their 1983 release, You Can't Fight Fashion, here's someone like you.
Segment 4.
Welcome, welcome. Nice to have you with us. Yeah, hold a minute, what's happening? Ah, oh, gifts. Official uh, Corey Hart sunglasses from Canada for you, mate. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Well, before we start, introduce your associates. The gentleman is Gary Bright from Toronto. He plays keyboards. Thank you, Gary, for joining us. Nice to have you aboard, sir. On drums. The gentleman's Bruce Moffat. He's from Toronto as well. Thank you, Bruce, very much. And lastly... This gentleman played on my record in England. He's from London, and his name is Andy Barnett. Andy, nice to have you here. Thank you so much. Where's your hometown? Is it Toronto? Montreal. Montreal, all right. This thing, the sunglasses uh, at night, you had finished this whole album, then all of a sudden you decided to inject this into well, it? Well, it's typical me that I went over there and recorded an album, yeah. and I hadn't written the first single yet. So, so I went over there, we did the whole record, and then I had this concept for sunglasses at night. And I went back to Montreal and I wrote the record. And I this begged must the have been a company. great joy to the record company, the producers well, and everybody. We had, we had a couple of songs on the record that we felt confident about, yeah. but this song was so powerful when I wrote it that I, I felt we had to do it. Did you have a hassle over it? No, they were real obliging and real, uh, real good. I want to go back to what I was talking to with the folks in the stands over there. When you went to New York, uh, you were, just, were you working or were you just in the periphery of the music business? Well, no, I was actually uh, in the studio doing some demos. I ran into uh, Richie Canada, who played saxophone for Billy Joel. And uh, he invited me down to New York, and so I did some studio work there. And I was always plugging away trying to get a record deal. But isn't it where you are and who you're seeing and watching Absolutely. the top-notch people? Absolutely. I mean, for a young songwriter like me, it was important to be exposed to. And I worked with Billy Jaws in the studio with him, and it was important for me to be exposed to such uh, high-quality musicians. You've got to go where the action is, is what it is. Hustle. Give me one little word about Eric Clapton, because he had a hand in your career. Did he advise you, help you, or what was his story? Well, he came in to play a song on, on the record, First Defense, and... I guess the one word that I used to describe him was a gentleman, and uh, it was a real pleasure and honor for me to meet him and work with him. I welcome you here, Thank sir. You. Please come back many times. Corey, gentlemen, if you will follow me rather than get trampled, if we exit stage right, we'll take you over there, ask you to sign the back of the scenery and all of that, and we'll catch up with you over there. Corey Hart, ladies and gentlemen. From his 1986 appearance on American Bandstand, that was Corey Hart. And we also heard his debut single, Sunglasses at Night, which is from his album, First Offense. This is R.I.T.Y. I'm Ryan Jansen, and with the new year on the horizon, I thought it would be fitting to do a tribute to Dick Clark's American Bandstand. And for many years, he hosted the New Year's Countdown on ABC. However, his first countdown aired on NBC on December 31st, 1972, and featured Three Dog Night. Aside from the countdown, Clark is best known for being the host of American Bandstand from 1956 until 1988. The show was canceled in 89. And the program featured teenagers dancing to hit music introduced by Clark, then he would have at least one popular musical act appear on the show. He would interview them, and they would go on to lip-sync their latest single. The focus for R.I.T.Y. has been on those interviews. You'll hear the clip, followed by a song, or vice versa. I just recently mentioned Three Dog Night. They were formed by Danny Hutton in 1967. Prior to his success with the band, he had a minor hit with this song. It's called Roses and Rainbows, and it'll be followed by his 1965 appearance on American Bandstand. You 
Nice to have you with us. Now, <laughs> half a second. Was I correct in assuming that that was your first record? That's my first one. Where did you write it? Here in California. Were there any particular circumstances? Were you sitting out on a, a hayloft somewhere thinking about the world or what? I just wrote a whole pile of songs together at the same time. Let me ask you a personal question. I don't mean to embarrass you, but it's, uh, it, it struck me as interesting because they're taking very close shots of you while you sang. You sport a mustache. Mm -hmm. Very few young singers do. Do you think this will be a trend now? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> How long have you had it? Great. Uh, about three months. Have you ever had any comment from uh, the young ladies with whom you keep company? Do they, do they uh, like to comb it for you or anything? No, they'll like it, you know, so. I, I, it may start a whole new rash of things, you know. Danny, our autograph table is over there. Would you join us for a while? Sure. Love to see you. Thank, Thank you very much. You. Danny Hutton, ladies and gentlemen, will join you at the autograph table. Danny Hutton from his 1965 appearance on Bandstand. Two years later, Pink Floyd paid a visit to Dick Clark two days after arriving in the States. Gentlemen, you know, pardon me. Let me just sneak in here. Sit tight. I don't think I've done an interview uh, without having chatted with any before, particularly people who've come about eight or 10,000 miles. You've only been here two days. There is one question that comes immediately to mind. When we go to visit your country, the fellows I know in our entertainment business always say, English food is unusual. What do you think of American food having eaten here for two days? Does it please you or displease you? Well, all we've had really is two cheeseburgers each, I think. <laughs> And, uh, That's not a, not a bad, typical American dish. Does it sit well or did you not like it? It sat quite well. All right. Fair enough. You're very kind, I would say, if that's all you've had to eat so far. How long do you plan to stay with us? Uh, well, I think we're here for 10 days or now. 
Will you have an opportunity to see, uh, let me jump over here for a second, uh, other parts of the United States other than the West Coast? Um, we're going back to San Francisco, and then we're going to New York. We'll stop in the Haight-Ashbury and see what happens there. It's yeah. kind of an unusual spot. Would you be kind enough to introduce yourself and the other guys? I haven't had a chance to meet everybody. I'm Rick, and that's Nick. Nick up on drums, right? Nick, thank you. That's Sid, lead guitar. And Sid? Roger, bass guitar. Thank you, Roger. Uh, Sid, did you write this? Yeah. I noticed on the album you wrote most of the songs. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. Let me wish you gentlemen all very good luck. I hope you enjoy your stay, get some sleep, and get something other than uh, cheeseburgers during your stay. Thank you very much. Nick, nice to see you. From their 1967 debut album, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn, here's See Emily Play. Understands. She's often inclined to borrow somebody's dreams till tomorrow. Segment 5. Too many teardrops for one heart 
saying this is the first record? Uh, yes, it's that first record. Where did you make this? Um, you might think in the living room. Really? No, I, this, we were talking about it in the dressing room. Would you make this in somebody's living room? Yes. Like with a TV set in it and a radio and yeah. so forth? Did you ever think you'd get this sound out of that particular surrounding? No. Have you ever done any more work there? Uh, we tried to, but I guess we have to advance. <laughs> You know, now that you've graduated from the living room, you know, it's, uh, you never know what will happen. Gentlemen, I, uh, I, I wish you all the very best in your future recordings. We'll join you with the autograph table in a half a second. Nice to have you here. You can check out the playlist and learn more about the podcast at reelinwithryan.com.
except we'll run out of time. You know, I have admired you for so long. You're going now on a college tour into England. How do you keep your schooling up? You still go to school? Well, I gotta stay in school, play it cool, don't be no fool. <laughs> what are you studying? I'm uh, studying the regular academic subjects. This is my final year. You have any favorites? But I wish I could go back into the third grade again. Oh, I love uh, reading literature. What sort of literature? What, the old stuff, you mean, the, the classics? Yeah. I just got finished reading a book, uh, Diary of Anne Frank. How long does it take to read a book, book when you use the Braille system? Well, you see, fortunately, <laughs> there, uh, the books are put on uh, records. You lazy dog. You, you no, sit no, there no. and you listen to it all? No, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you worked hours and hours. You just sit well, you listen. have to. I work, too. But uh, you see, the books are so large. They would be so large if they were in oh. Braille until it's easier to put them on record, you see? I got you, Dad. They're giving I me can't a... read, no way. A very comical Stevie Wonder on Bandstand some 56 years ago. Thanks for listening to R.I.T.Y. I'm your host, Ryan Jansen. This week's theme is American Bandstand. Coming up, it's This Week in Rock and Roll. Without further ado, here's Dick Clark with Brian Adams. Brian, would you do me a favor before we get into this? Would you, uh, let's see, wait a minute, I got a cameraman hiding. Uh, no, I have a cameraman hiding on his knees. All right. <laughs> he's on his knees. He's, so he's hidden away now. He'd like to make his debut, though, folks back home. Uh, who's over there? 
<laughs> Wait, we have uh, John Malcolm Hammond on the keyboards. Thank you, John, very much. Let's, I guess we better go to the drummer in the rear. Frankie LaRocca. Uh, who's on bass? Dave Taylor. Hello, Dave. I'm nice, I'm nice to see you. How about that? <laughs> oh, God. I'm losing my mind. Who's over here, and please? Keith Scott on lead guitar. Thank you, Keith. Nice to have you here, sir. I had you working with everybody in the world over there. I was picking out names out of that. You never worked with uh, Journey? Uh, we're going to, though. We're going oh, really? To, yeah, we're going on tour with them for 100 shows. No, what I had in mind was uh, Foreigner, The Kinks, Loverboy. What happens to you when you walk out in front of an audience that's there really primarily to see somebody else? Well, it's really a challenge for us, yeah. but uh, it gets to be really fun because it's a, most of the places we play are really big arenas, and those are always a lot of fun. I mentioned the fact, let me get this thing out of the way for a second. Uh, I mentioned the fact that you go into the studio, and is it true you record like live? I mean, you put it right down? Well, basically, it's the band in the studio, all the guys, and we go in there and we just put it down and overdub afterwards, but basically it's the live band. But normally what, uh, what's happened in, in recent years with all the multiple tracks and all, people go and put a little horn section yeah, down, the yeah, guitars, we'll, the drums. This is basically the band. Is this what you hear when we see it in concert? Yeah, this is what you'll see, the boys. How long have you been? You, be, you see all these guys. All these there guys, you are. everybody. Good-looking group. Where are they all from? Oh, we're all from Canada, except for Frankie, who's from New York. New York. No, not, not New York. New York. New York. New York, yeah. How did you fall in with the Canadians? Were you just wandering, tapping on their door? Well, I knew this bum for a couple of years. <laughs> I mean, he's the lead singer. You've got to be nice to the lead singer. Gave you a buzz and that's it? Yeah, I gave him a buzz. How, how long have you uh, been working with these crazies? Uh, about a year and a half now. It's, uh, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> I think you have a nice relationship because you can, you can throw the lines back and forth. How many albums have you made? Uh, this is my third album coming up. And uh, it's called Cuts Like a Knife. It's a hell of a record. And here are two cuts from the album. It's the title track followed by This Time.
Brian Adams, that was this time. We'll get back to American Bandstand here in just a bit. It's time for This Week in Rock and Roll. I'm Ryan Jansen. David Byrne of Talking Heads is ready to ring in the new year. He's just been added to NBC's Miley Cyrus-hosted New Year's Eve special. It's called Miley's New Year's Eve Party. The program will be co-hosted by Dolly Parton and air live from Miami. Finally, David Lee Roth is covering Van Halen again. He just shared a new live version of the band's hit, Everybody Wants Some, taken from his 2022 Hollywood recording session with his solo band. You can see it on his YouTube channel. That's This Week in Rock and Roll, back to American Bandstand. The year is 1978. Randy Bachman recently left BTO and has released his second solo album, Survivor. Here he is on Bandstand, talking about his career and the album. The Orange Sewell awaits. <laughs> you know, you have finally put into music what I hope someday to write in a book, The Art of Surviving. People say to me, gee, you've been around since the dawn of time. Only one man been around longer, that's got to be you almost. Together. (laughs) No. How many years ago did you first pick up an instrument and go out on the road and perform? I started when I was five, playing the violin, classical violin, on stage, in a little tuxedo. What was the name of the first group? The Guess Who. That was the first? I was 16, uh, just playing guitar. We had another name, which I won't mention, you know, which was Oblivion. And then we had that song, Shaking All Over. The band was the Guess Who. These are all Canadian guys at that time? All Canadian guys who have evolved into BTO, 
Randy Bach and myself, Burton Cummings, the Guess Who, the Originals, the Leftover. Now, wait a minute, you are back together in Canada. They have an album out, and they're rocking out. You getting along with them? Yeah, when I see them, I wish everybody luck and uh, rock and roll forever. We cover that. That's the gossip part of the world. Yeah. You just said something. You introduced yourself as Randy Bachman, and I was brainwashed to say Bachman uh, because I used to say Bachman. Now, what is? Will you please clear up this mess? I've been brainwashed to say <laughs> the Bachman. Other way. Um, I grew up in Canada saying Backman. Yeah. When, uh, you know where I picked that up on a radio interview you and I did? You said, my name is Backman or whatever the heck, and I was correcting everybody. When BTO came together in about 73, somebody in a bio put B, how to pronounce it, as if it was Bachman. Yeah. Now when I'm south of the border, I say Bachman. North of the border, I say Backman. I'm only too glad to say it. Now call me anything you want. Just call him Randy. Play the record. Is this an autobiographical album? Yes, it is my story and how I started out in rock and roll, the late 50s, the first music I heard on the air, seeing the early American bandstands, uh, the Dick Clark tours that came through Minneapolis, Winnipeg, I went to all of those, and how I grew up with rock and roll, and the bands I was in, the survival aspect of it, don't get too down when you're in a valley, hang in there, you'll have a hill, you'll be a survivor. And there's a lot of survivors around today, I'm fans of them all. Name a few. I mean, because there are some people in this audience don't realize that some of the guys have been at it a while. Paul McCartney, yeah. Steve Miller, Boz Skaggs, Peter Frampton, Fleetwood Mac, Kenny Rogers, one can of I, the great survivors. Can I tell you the greatest line? I heard this line on the radio a couple of weeks ago. Two 13-year-old kids were talking, voice on the air. One said to the other, do you know that Paul McCartney was in another group before Wings? Now that shows you how far we've gone. Kids, we were all in other groups. <laughs> From Survivor, here's I Am A Star.
Segment six.
welcome. Hi. We have waited a while for you to get here. This is a real treat for everybody. Now, for goodness sake, let us have a... She gets the general idea. Let us have a, just a couple of words, all right? Um, I said, I gave the impression you started in New York. You didn't. You started somewhere else, didn't you? Well, I was born in Detroit. Yeah. Then you went to New York. Yes, I'm a, I'm a um, famed high school dropout, so don't believe anything they tell you. Tell, tell me why you went from Detroit to New York to Paris. What did you do in Paris? Well, when I came to New York originally, I was dancing with some dance companies, and I decided to go to Paris... Because um, a singer named Patrick Hernandez, he had this big hit called Born to be Alive. Yeah. He offered me um, a, ba a tour with him as a background singer and a dancer. So I jumped on that boat and got into the music industry that way and started writing songs. So here I am. From her 1983 visits on American Bandstand, that was Madonna. Let's continue by staying in that same decade. In 1982, these guys finally found success after many frustrating years of trying. Here's Huey Lewis and the news on Bandstand. Huey, it's a pleasure to welcome you here. Thank you very much. We usually do a thing where we walk around and we introduce everybody in the band. I'd like to change that at just a hair because I would like your personal analysis of each of these guys you work with. I want your... What would you call it? Mini biography. First of all, who's this? We'll walk over here. Okay. Who's, who's this guy? This is Chris. Chris Hayes. Hello, Chris. How are you? It's nice to see you. What does he contribute to this organization? Well, he's obviously the guitar player, but he's also the... Uh, look, I can figure that out. You know? <laughs> he's, uh, he's the sex symbol of the group. Yeah. Uh, now, that isn't why you picked him. Of course it is. <laughs> On bass, the gentleman's name is? This is Mario Cipollina. And, uh... Hello, Mario. Nice to see you. And Mario's the bodyguard for the band. Musically, what does he do for you other than play the bass? Well, isn't that enough? Is that, is that all? <laughs> I'm looking for the magic formula here. Now, who's on drums? This is Billy Gibson's on drums. Hi, Billy. Nice to see you, sir. And where did you find him? Well, Billy, aside from being our drummer, is the chauffeur for the group, you see. He's, <laughs> Would you stop? He's I'm, the only one with a valid driver's license. I'm not getting any straight answers at all. Let's get the man on the horn. Uh, this is Johnny Cole. He plays saxophone and guitar. Johnny, nice to see you, sir. How long has he been with you? How long have you all been together? Two years. All right, and on keyboards? Sean Hopper. He's the technician of the group. Sean, are you an electrical genius? No, not at all. <laughs> what does he contribute to this group? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> He's a guy with the red shirt. That's it. You've been at it a long time. You deserve a lot of success. Now that it's come, are you happy about it? Yeah, well, we're relieved as well, you know. It's I mean, been a... After you pay the dues so long to have it happen, it didn't happen overnight. No. How long were you in England? Two years. What were you doing there? I mean, obviously making music. Yeah, we made a couple records and uh, did a lot of sessions, you know, for other groups and so on. Where is home? San Francisco. Marin County, actually. Are all of these guys San Franciscans? All from Marin County, yeah, all local boys. Here's their first big hit. Do you believe in love?
Huey Lewis and the news on RITY. That was Do You Believe in Love? We are up against the clock for this week's program. I'm Ryan Jansen, and if you're just tuning in, well, you've missed a lot. Luckily, there's always the podcast. It's free and on demand. You can find it on Apple and Google Podcast. Tune in, iHeart, and reelinwithryan.com. This week, we've been looking back at moments from American Bandstand. Here's Dick Clark with our final artist, Robert Palmer. What were your musical uh, influences back home? Um... Well, I started playing uh, clubs and stuff when I was about 15. And at the time, they used to play Tamla Motown yeah. and Stax and Atlantic and also uh, ska music, which is Jamaican. What, say that again? Ska music. How do you spell it? S K A. Ska. Oh, I remember that, yes. Like Blue Beats? Yes, yes, yes. Where's your home now? Uh, Nassau in the Bahamas. Has that influenced you, the influence of the Jamaican and the crazy well, music in that area? Uh, I like the weather, you know, I like <laughs> the weather. The, the music there is uh, not really happening. It does not influence you at all? No, no, the sea does. It makes me calm. Are you basically a night person? Well, my work puts me that way, yeah. When How I'm, can you enjoy the beautiful sunlight and the surf and all of that in Nassau if you're up all night? Well, when I'm there, I'm not doing anything except being lazy. And then when I'm at work, I'm at work. Do you write? Uh, yeah. Uh, I do that at home. I like to uh, take time off from everything and, and try and get a, a picture of what's happening and, and do it away from the road and the craziness of the... From his 1978 effort, Double Fun, here's Robert Palmer with Every Kind of People. I'll talk to you next year.
life's about, yeah. It takes every kind of people. 